Welcome back, Timberwood Youth. Another exciting week in Deuteronomy. Tonight we're covering chapters 27 and 28. But first, a few announcements for you. Please enter through the gym entrance. If you are uncertain where the gym entrance is, it is the doors leading from outside, inward, right across from the gym. This is where we'll be taking your temperature, and then you'll be able to go find your small group meeting space. So please make a point to be there, get your temperature taken. It'll help us out. Next, gym rules. Again, just going to cover this. Wear gym shoes or socks. If you don't have gym shoes to put on your feet, then wear socks, just socks. That's fine. And when you do this, please change into the shoes you're going to wear or leave your shoes that you're not going to wear because you're just in your socks in your room. So all of the equipment or whatever that you're bringing, leave in your small group meeting space, then go to the gym so that we don't have to have a pile of shoes by the door. No food or drinks should be in the gym. And please leave all of the supplies and equipment inside the gym. I know sometimes, especially tonight, we're playing dodgeball. So you might want to take that ball and, I don't know, <laughs> keep going when we're supposed to stop. But please make a point to leave it in the gym. Always bring the following things to Timberwood Youth as well. Be dressed for the weather. Bring a water bottle, especially if you get thirsty. It's easier to just have the water bottle with you. Then again, having a line by the water fountain. And then bring a Bible. Now, we offer Bibles, so if you'd like to just take one off the cart, that works for me. But bring a Bible if you have a special Bible you like to use. And then also bring something to write on and something to write with. All right. Uh, finally, if you are a new student, make sure to uh, let your leaders know. They'll get you a new student info card. We want your information. We want to connect with you. If you have information to update and are not new, then make sure to also fill out one of those cards. We'd love to be in contact with you. We'd love to let you know what's going on in Timberwood Youth. Thanks. Let's get into it. <clears throat> I wonder how many of us can raise our hand when I ask this question. How many of us are forgetful by nature? Now, I know, I know that some of us really have it put together, but... Some of us really, like me, are very, very forgetful human beings. And so, what do I mean by that? Well, here's a prime example from my youth. It was about fourth grade, and I was supposed to bring my homework home. Now, you've heard your teacher say this, bring your homework home with you, or uh, take it out of your desk. You know, in my day, we had the desks with the flip tops on the desk, and so you'd lift it up, and there's all of your folders and stuff, and then you put it down, and you're good to go. So time and time again, I would get the reminder to bring your homework home with you. Yeah, this point didn't stick. I'm not kidding you. Nine times out of ten, literally every ten times that I was asked, Aiden, bring your homework home, I didn't do it. Out of those ten times, nine times, I forgot my homework. There was a constant battle between my parents and I. Aiden, did you bring your homework with you home today? No, Mom, I did not. And then you know what happens. So there is one night, right, where I got wise, where I realized if I didn't bring my homework home, there would be a consequence. Now, for me, that consequence was an interaction with my parents who would be upset with me. And then I'd go to school the next day not having my homework done. And then i get a bad grade. And then you could just see how the snowball builds up. 
So finally, I got the idea. I noticed that on all of the locks in our doors, all you really needed was a good like credit card or, you know, for a fourth grader, a playing card would do. And for building that playing card up a little bit, all you needed was two playing cards and a piece of tape. Probably shouldn't be telling you this. Anyways, I went through into the door, slid it behind, tried to open the door. Didn't work, by the way. And then I get caught. See, to the untrained eye, I shouldn't even say untrained, to any human being seeing a kid with a pair of cards in between the slot, between the lock and the door, what would you think? Clearly, he's breaking in to do something very bad. And the person who caught me was a janitor. So the janitor walks up to me and goes, what's going on? What are you doing? And I say, in my most innocent of voice that I can muster up. Please, I just forgot my homework. And I just need to do it. And the janitor took pity on me. So it was really nice. So they opened the door. They watched me walk in. They turned on the lights. I went to my desk, flipped the top, grabbed my homework, flipped the top down, put it in my backpack. On my way home, I went smiling, knowing that finally I don't have to deal with the consequences of the same repeatable action I've been taking. Yeah, my parents work in a school. My entire life, my parents worked in a school. And they worked at my school. So the janitor calls my parents and says, hey, just so you know, I let Aiden in the room. He got his homework. He's on his way. So my parents sit on the car ride home. Aiden, how was your day? Oh, great. Did you remember my ho- Did you remember your homework? Why, yes, I did. I did remember my homework, Mom and Dad. Thank you so much for asking. Just waiting for them to praise my behavior because I'm such a good, angelic boy. Yeah, they're like, Aiden, we know exactly what happened. You can face the consequences when we get home. Silence. For the rest of the car ride. Because I knew the consequences of my actions, and once more, I would face them. In Deuteronomy 27 through 28, Well, chapters 27 and chapters 28. That's exactly what we're talking about. Consequences. See, Moses once more is addressing the Israelites. And honestly, I can start off with that statement. Moses addresses the Israelites every single time we approach the text. Because Deuteronomy is an entire speech written to be delivered to the people that are about to go in the promised land. And so the Israelites are on the cusp of the promised land. And Moses takes this entire time, all of these chapters upon chapters, of, I believe, 32, well, 34. (coughs) 34 chapters to say, this is exactly what I need from you as a people who are about to enter the promised land. This is his speech to them. And in this section specifically, we're dialing in on this concept of consequences, or as the text calls them, curses. And we get to live a little bit in the concept of blessings. So let's dig in. 20, chapter 28, verses 25 through 29. You can pause me here if you'd like to read with me, so I'll, I'll give you a moment to do that. Cool. Chapters 28, 
Verse 25. Let's read. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. You shall be a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. Oh, my word. Intense in this first verse. The Lord will cause you to be defeated by your enemies. That you'll go up against your enemies one way, and by the end of the battle, you'll split seven. And you shall be known as a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. It doesn't get more pleasant. And your dead body shall be food for all birds of the air and for beasts of the earth. And there shall be no one to frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors and scabs and itch of which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of mind. You shall grope at noonday. During the day, you shall reach out as the blind would in complete darkness. And you shall be only oppressed and robbed continually. And there shall be no one to help you. Curses. Consequences, really. Consequences of a people who choose not to interact with God. And to not be part of the community that God established. See, as we read through the text, what you'll find is there's actually many, many laws on repeat here. And it says, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then it gets to this part that I just read. These curses were the consequences of the Israelites breaking the law. These things are important to God. That the people care for one another. That is what this law, this civil law that we are talking about is. Is a people being in community and treating one another with respect. And you break those laws in this community, this is what happens. So then what do I mean? Well, ask yourself this. Okay, you've had this experience. You've had a teacher sit down with you in your classroom, and your teacher teaches you a lesson. I don't care. Pick a subject. Let's go with math. Math was one of my most difficult subjects, by the way. So you have your teacher, and they're teaching you about math. And then they send you home with homework, and they say, make sure you study the material that we covered today. And here are several questions. By the way, the worst math questions on this earth are the ones that are like questions, just do questions one through five, but every question has like seven parts to it. This is especially annoying when you get to graphing. At any rate. So study the material. And then why do we study the material, right? Well, most of us, the answer is test results. Well, I don't think that's quite right. Or here's another example from uh, what I experienced. I was in a uh, food class, right? And they're teaching the 
the subject of that they was to make an angel food cake. And if you know anything about angel food cake, you know it's extremely good, but you have to be extremely careful in your preparation. So they say, you know, whip the eggs a certain way. And if you whip them too much, then your batter is going to just sink in. And if you don't whip them enough, it's going to be runny. Everything in angel food cake takes very careful eye to detail. And me just wanting to be done with the class, I disregard the directions. I just throw everything in the bowl, whip it together, throw it in the pan, throw it in the oven, turn the oven on. And what comes out is a failing grade and just a hot mess. Still tasted good to me, but not the point. So what were the directions about? Just so I wouldn't have a sunken cake so I can get an A for the class? No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the outcome of obedience. Had you listened, had I, excuse me, I can't put this on you. Had I listened to my teachers and followed through with their instruction to do my homework and actually took some kind of interest in the homework itself, I probably wouldn't be standing before you today saying I'm very bad at math. Or let's push it a little further. I would be able to help people with math. I would be able to encourage U.S. students or anybody else parents, etc., who during COVID are trying to teach their kids at home and say, hey, I got this. I can help you with this. Listening to our teachers is about growing our knowledge and experience. And I know, oh, why does he have to go there? It's true. I know we don't always click with our teachers. I get that. But if you can absorb the information that your teachers are giving you and you're responsible with the information in your hands, and then you train yourself not just for tests, please, not just for tests. But that when you're an adult and you go into the world, you are a bright person who knows how to interact with the world around them. Or in the case of the cake, I'd know how to bake an angel food cake. And I'd be able to bake an angel food cake and then I could have yummy delicious treats for us every single week. That's the outcome of obedience. Likewise, being obedient to God's commandments is for our benefit. Let me be clear and say it again. Obeying God and his laws is for our benefit. And by our benefit, I mean it's for our success. So let's pause here and answer questions one through three. So welcome back. I just told you, being obedient to God's commandment is for our benefit. It's for our success. So I want to read to you proof of this in our text. Starting in chapter 28, verse 1. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And later in verse 9, the Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself, as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in all of his ways. 
So what are our commandments then, right? Because we're talking about Old Testament stuff, and then the question goes, okay, what do I do with that? What is it that I'm obeying? Well, here's your answer. What is the greatest commandment? This comes from Deuteronomy. Jesus talks about it in the New Testament as well. The greatest commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is the greatest commandment. Then Jesus follows up saying, the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. This is our greatest commandment. This is what we're obeying. To pursue God, to love God, with all our heart. To be so emphatically thankful to God. To give God our best, like we talked about last week. And in addition to giving God our best, talking about tithing, or just putting something aside to give God, to give back to the community, to give your time to something. With all your heart, with all your soul and your mind. Again, focusing on your relationship with God. Being invested intellectually in what Scripture teaches us. To love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then to take all of that that we absorb and we are being transformed by and to love others in a way that reflects what we've just learned. To love your neighbor. So here's the challenge then that I want you to hear. Because this word obedience, right? It, for me, it, it, it stings a little bit. Or to say it another way, it makes me very uncomfortable sometimes. Because to be obedient to something or someone does take a little bit of humiliation. Excuse me, humility. Let's define that very carefully. I have to say that the person who's instructing me, who I know is much wiser than me, has much more to offer me than what I could achieve on my own. So when a teacher asks you to do your homework, the last response would be, oh man, this is going to be so much of a waste of my time. When a parent asks you to clean your room, to take out the trash, to do the dishes, or for you, those of you fortunate enough to have a dishwasher, to just put them in the dishwasher and empty the dishwasher, not a hard thing to do. And it doesn't have to come from a place of begrudging, you know, find whatever, I'll just do it so that I can do, go do my own thing. It can come from a place of saying to ourselves, wow, these tasks show my parents that I love them and care about them and are invested in them. That we can have greater family time when we don't have to argue about who does the dishes. And when a youth leader comes to you, I know, right, I had to talk about myself a little bit, and your youth leader's with you in the room. When a youth leader comes to you and says, hey, let's talk about this, let's focus on this. It's not because we're not interested in having fun with you. It's because what we're talking about in that moment is going to offer you a great chance of success in understanding what's happening 
in your relationship with God. Because that's the goal. We want you to succeed. We want you to succeed. In all of those realms. And I admit that there are special cases that we could get into and talk about where we're interacting with an adult in our life who really doesn't want the best for us. And we can talk about that later. You can grab my attention and say, hey, Aiden, I'd like to talk about that point. Or you can talk to your leaders. And if you're interacting with your parent and you're ever unsure of why they're asking you what to do, here is a wonderful question that I think if you ask this question, it would show your parents you are interested in what they are saying. Or a coach, or a teacher, or even your youth leader. You can look them in the eye and say to them, do you want me to succeed? And a phenomenal follow-up question is, how can I succeed? What does it look like? Because when you know the person you're talking to is interested in your life enough to want you to succeed, it's not about following rules anymore. Chapter 27, verse 4 through 8. And when you have crossed over the Jordan, you shall set up these stones concerning which I command you today. On Mount Ebal, And you shall plaster them with plaster. And there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall wield no iron tool on them. You shall build an altar to the Lord your God of uncut stones. And you shall offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. And you shall sacrifice peace offerings and shall eat there. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. And you shall write on the stones all the words of this law very plainly. So what's happening is before the Israelites go into the promised land, Moses is instructing them as they go into the promised land to build this altar and to write the law on these stones. This is a reminder. This is a reminder of what God has been doing. And more importantly, this is a reminder, a very physical reminder to the people That they need to obey God. That there are many blessings. That they'll become a nation above all people, a holy people. Because ultimately in this relationship with God, the only ones who are ever at fault are us. The only one who ever gets in our way is ourselves. So yeah, if we need to set alarms on our phones to remind us to read the word, then do it. Or if you need to set a different kind of alarm. You know the fun thing about alarms is you can start typing in what the alarm's for now, and so it's not just the time. You can type in your alarm, take out the trash, because we all know when trash day is. (laughs) If you don't, then ask, and even by asking, you're showing interest. Be motivated to meet the needs of the people around you. Because when you do that, your parents are going to go, I have the best son or daughter in the entire world. 
And they're not going to say, I have the best son and daughter in the entire world because I've taken out the trash. They're going to say, because they notice my needs and have been making my life a blessing. They have blessed me with their time and their energy and their thoughtfulness. That is what our actions say to the people that we care about. So set alarms. Or when a teacher comes up to you and says, do this in a specific way, pause. Pause before you respond. Ask yourself, do they want the best for you? Because our obedience to our parents, our teachers, our authority figures is truly an act of love to God. And it's for our benefit. And ultimately, our obedience to God is an act of love to God and to others. Go in peace with that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you are accomplishing at Timberwood Youth. I praise you and thank you for the message that you have put on my heart. I ask that these students understand more and more what obedience looks like in their life and the actions they can take to show the ones around them that they love them. In your name I pray, amen. All right, questions four through six, thank you.